1: My name is
2: Helen. I'm Mel. And I'm Janet.
1: Hello, ABGs and ABBs! This month, we are focusing on the topic of self-exploration. And as we near the end of October and edge closer to the spooktacular day of Hollows Eve, otherwise known as Halloween, we thought it would be appropriate to dedicate an episode to our
3: greatest fears. This is where I put spooky music. (laughs) (laughs) According to the Paul Ekman group, um, fear is one of the seven universal emotions experienced by everyone around the world. Fear arises with the threat of harm, either physical, emotional, or psychological, real or imagined. While traditionally considered a negative emotion, fear actually serves an important role in keeping us safe as it mobilizes us to cope with potential danger. So today, we're going to
2: discuss everything from surface-level phobias to deeply significant life fears. Are we ready to enter the haunted house of ABG? (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Who wrote this? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Janet. (laughs) Here we go. We're going to start off with Kind of a more lighthearted question about fear, ladies, what is a fear or phobia that you currently have that you think is kind of silly? Maybe one one or more. I'll go first. Okay. I think this
1: might be also Mel's fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fear (laughs) of birds. Yep. My old Asian grandpa. So he used to put like wine and rice out for birds, I think, to try and catch them. Or maybe that was just like his form of entertainment. At that age. Um, But he would attract birds to our porch. And I just like hated that. And I think it's the grossest thing ever. Sorry for all you bird lovers out there. (laughs) But you know how in like Chinese cuisine. Sometimes they have pigeon. Yeah. yeah. I never eat that. Because I'm like. oh, Oh,
3: That's um... nasty.
1: Yes. Um, Another fear that I have. Is that I do not like things with holes in them so people oh, call this tryptophobia. tryptophobia yeah yes um it just makes me feel like really squeamish and uncomfortable when i see it and i think the theory around tryptophobia is that this is like an evolutionary response this is what i read and it's kind of interesting because people have a fear of like infectious conditions like parasites and diseased skin which can be characterized by holes and bumps mm. so it's almost like when you see it you have like a nasty yeah, tr- reaction to yeah. it mm. which i found Pretty oh, interesting. interesting.
2: Yeah, I had um, a sweet mate in college who discovered she had that fear, and she discovered it because she's like, she would microwave mac, mac and cheese, and she's like, and the way that the pastas would pop up perfectly in line with uh, like the uh, pattern of holes, yeah.
1: <laughs> she, was, she would oh. freak out. <laughs> <F>. <laughs> That's funny, though. That's, funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to discover your fear ah. through food. Yeah. <laughs> How about for you, Mel?
3: You've definitely hit the same fear. I hate birds, and for me, um, I think it comes from uh, my grandpa when we were younger. He have he used to have a garden in our backyard, and I was I also had a plastic slide in my backyard, so I go play. And there's a couple times I went to the backyard, and I step on my first step of the slide, and there's a dead bird. So it freaked me out. And there's another time, I remember, he had this big kind of tub of water he used to water the plants. And I would play in the tub, like, because I like to play with water. I didn't have a pool, so that was my pool. There's one time I wanted to go into the little tub, and there's another dead bird there. So just, like, ever since Mm. then, I've been afraid. And even feathers freak me out a little bit, maybe because of texture. But there's so many times where we're eating lunch outside. You guys know and there's a bird that flies in, I literally get, like, paralyzed. It just really freaks me out. You guys also know that I'm a fantasizer. I have this I play this fake scenario in my head that, that hopefully never happens. My worst fear with birds is that, like, back in the day, maybe in the 90s, like, you know, during Thanksgiving, they'll be like, oh, there'll be a news reporter in, like, a turkey farm. you would like, the turkeys mm-hmm. are, like, all prime and fresh. And he's, like, literally in the middle, like, of hundreds of turkeys just talking. Mm-hmm. That would be my worst fear if you put me in that freaking farm surrounded by turkeys. Like, turkeys are <laughs> literally turkeys and ostrich really freak me out mm, like they're just their side yeah they're big ass birds like they're <laughs> birds they're like just their head freaks me out also because Helen remember you said pigeon yeah I think also't really common in Chinese cuisine that the, people order like boiled chicken they always put the head yeah on the yeah, plate yeah. And my grandma my grandma's such a lover but she knows I'm afraid so I'll sit there she'll grab the head and like try to like yeah. put it in my face <laughs> as a joke I'm just like oh my god you're so mean <laughs> Um so for me, it's yeah, definitely uh, birds. How about mm, you, Janet? Interesting.
2: Okay, I mine is. I guess kind of it's, it is animal related um, and you ladies both know this uh, I have a somewhat irrational fear of sea animals uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's in it, it ranges everything from I mean I guess the one experience that comes to mind is like you know when you're younger and you go to SeaWorld and there's Shamu is like the main attraction there there's like the big pool area with the stadium but then you go underneath the stadium and they have that like you know it's like a six foot tall and then maybe like three foot deep glass mm-hmm. separates you from the giant killer whale. By the way, the name's killer whale. <laughs> and you know, when you want to snap pictures with your family, my uncle or my mom would always be like, "Wait for the, wait for Shamu to come swim by behind you, and then we'll take the picture." And I'm standing there, like there's this giant. I don't know how, like twelve foot. Like if know. that animal was on land, that would like you would be freaked the fuck out, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's bigger than twelve. Feet, it's like cute, yeah. like maybe twenty feet or yeah. something.
2: Yeah. yeah, right, and. And it was just, like, why are we all so, like, fond of this giant beast thing And what wa- <laughs> And I always thought, like, when we were watching the show, I'm like, if I ever fell into that water, I would just freak out. Even if the the whale was all the way on the other side. Yeah. Even the idea of, like, swimming with dolphins. Like, people think that's, like, so paradise. And I was just like, no, I would oh, yeah. freak, freak out. Um, so... There's that large animals. And then, yeah, like when we went paddle boarding, like I had kind of this like adverse reaction to, even though it was like a man-made like lake or bay, but they put like stingrays and stuff in there. I have to just like close my mind off of it because I've been able, I've been in other situations where I had to go in deep water and there's like animals there. But if I think too much about it, I get like really, really, I don't know. It just...
3: (laughs) Where does it come from?
2: I think it is logically um, imagining myself being in water where I'm not familiar and Mm. I actually like I took swim lessons I can swim and I'm fine but it's not my natural habitat right Mm. so I think being out of your comfort zone and being next to an animal where that is like they can swim very fast they're very agile Mm -hmm. there I think that just makes me feel very out of place Mm. I don't I, I don't think anything actually ever happened I could, it, may, it could have also just been, like, through TV and movies as a child. I probably yeah. saw things like... Like Free Willy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did watch that movie. I mean, it didn't prompt fear, but, like, and maybe things like sharks, like shark mm. movies yeah. and things like Jaws. that. Yeah, Jaws. Yeah. That kind of stuff.
3: <sighs> That's so interesting, because as Janet's talking, I was like, I love orcas. As a kid, I love killer whales. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah so and cool. I, I'm, like,
1: pretty fond of birds, so... <laughs> like maybe just... Hell maybe a fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a fun question.
3: Would you rather be stuck in an elevator or on a broken ski lift? For me, I would rather be stuck on a broken ski lift. Mm. Um, I think the older I get, the more claustrophobic I get. So if there are times mm. when I'm in an elevator, I kind of, I will freak out. I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, like, I think I could feel the walls closing in. And I didn't feel this way as when I was younger, but at least with a ski lift, I'm like, oh, there's a view. I just can't fall, you know? Like yeah. I can't slip down. Mm. Yeah, how about you both? Um, I actually have the opposite answer.
2: I would prefer being stuck in an elevator, um, which I actually have been. Oh. I, like in college when, uh, when I was... Uh, going into a hip-hop dance performance, our entire team rushed into this, like, tiny, I think it was, like, a six-person max elevator, and we had, like, 12 people in there because we were rushing to the performance. And it was only going up, like, one one floor, but because we maxed out the weight and we were in such a rush, we got stuck in between the floors, and we were in there for probably about almost an hour (gasps) with, like, 12 people, and it was, like, claustrophobic. And I remember feeling uncomfortable, but it wasn't because I knew that we weren't going to drop. Like, it was only a one-floor elevator. It was, like, fine. But there were people definitely in there that started freaking out. Oh, yeah. But I actually, I would rather do the elevator because there's something about being on a ski lift where you're so open. Because the ski lift is not, it's only you in a bar, right? And if I was, like, 20 feet up... Mm. I, the fear of falling, I think that would freak me out more versus in an elevator. I don't directly see any danger. Mm. And I think I could like kind of just close my eyes and kind of peace out for a while until someone like yeah. <laughs> comes. I don't know. How about you, Helen? I think my
1: question would be how broken is the ski lift? Because I've definitely been on mm. ski lifts where they stopped it. Yeah. And there's, like, a malfunction going on, and yeah. you're kind of just, like, sitting there. And, like, Mal, you were saying, I kind of enjoy the view. I'm like, okay, this is the moment for me to be, like, in silence, and yeah. I don't mm-hmm. have to, like, talk to anyone, you know? Like, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of nice. Versus, I think, in an elevator, I would also feel, especially if there's 12 people with me, yeah. if yeah. one person starts to freak out and start sweating and starts <laughs> smelling, <laughs> then, like, there's no air. <laughs> like, ew. And I'm also thinking, like, if both the ski lift and the elevator is at risk of falling and they're from high places... I think I would rather have my last moments be with a view versus Mm -hmm. like falling on an elevator and just having it and just like feeling like it's going to crash. And you don't know Mm -hmm. when it's going to crash either.
2: That's true. The unknown. Versus the ski lift is like, all right,
3: three, two, one. (laughs) For Helen, I think... Yeah, like, being in a vast open space, like, the fresh, crisp air, I think will wake me up and feel energized versus, like, here I am in a musty space and I'm stuck mm. breathing the same air for an hour. I would freak out. Yeah. Mm. Let's
1: hope none of that no, happens Yeah, let's ever. hope that's <laughs> all hypothetical. <laughs> is there what? All
3: yeah. right, the next question is, would you rather live forever or die early? Mm.
2: At first, I thought hypothetically it'd be hard to choose because... I think there is something about infinity that can freak people out, right? Like, to have to live forever. And then it's also very – it's, like, tragic to think that you could only live for a short amount of time. But then when I consider my personality, I think that I would choose to live forever because I think having – if I knew that I had finite time here, the tendency to want to jam-pack everything in, something about that just feels a little exhausting to me and, like, unfulfilling Mm. versus having to deal with the needing patience and, like – kind of just learning to deal with infinity. I I don't know. Something about that mm-hmm. to me feels like a better fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you ladies? I feel like this is a
1: very like morbid question. <laughs> I think I would definitely choose the living forever. Like oh. there was no question in my head. And... I, Because I think the opposite of choosing to die early is like, well, what is the meaning, what is the purpose of life if you don't want, if you would rather Mm. have it end sooner than actually experience the Mm -hmm. one thing that we actually have, which is life. Mm. So I think like all the times that I've traveled to, to different places in the world, I'm just so also amazed at how vastly different this world is and how big it is. And I think I always think to myself, I wish I had the time and the money and the resource to see every single part of this world and to actually understand people's feelings and cultures and and everything and and truly to understand it. And it makes me like really sad to know that I will never get that feeling because there's just Mm. not enough time. Mm. So for me, I think I would
2: want to live forever. And hopefully my significant other will be there with me too and I'm not So that alone. would be the thing is that it wouldn't. People would pass in and out of yeah, 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 yeah. And you'd have to see all of the tragedies of war, but you'd also get to see all the, like, beauties of yeah. the best
1: times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's what makes the question tough. Mm-hmm. But I think I would for sure choose the uh, the living forever
3: one. How about for you, Mel? I actually chose to die early. I had two things go on my mind. One, this is sounds like a Korean drama that I watched that uh, one of the guys, one of my favorite dramas um goblin y'all if you watch goblin you know i'm talking about um he lives forever and Mm. i think for me i think i the first thing that thought of was like i don't want to see my loved ones constantly die i think it's really sad Mm. to me when i think about living like what's my purpose i i love connection and so i'd rather be sure i have a short period of time that it's like full of love and compassion connection and and say i had i lived a really good life not a long life but i lived a good life and i think Mm. i'd be happy with that because i think about little things like I remember in um, college, I was a transfer student and I I used to think like, man, I wish I was here for four years instead of two. But those two years I was there was freaking amazing and life changing that I'm like, I don't regret it. And I walked away feeling like so fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I think about if I were here any longer, I may not have that feeling If all my time left on earth is very limited, but felt like gold. I'd rather take that than live forever and see people like come in and out. I think that would actually hurt me more. That's a great perspective on
2: both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Another question. What do you think is worse if you had to relive the same very embarrassing moment every single year or um, having to face a new semi-embarrassing moment every year? Mm. I think, and you're
1: the same person, right? And you're, Mm. I would say this one felt easy for me too. I would say live the same one every year because I I feel like I'd be the type of person that's uh, that would learn and grow a callus to it, mm-hmm. and I would figure out a different perspective than to be embarrassed by it. Especially if I'm facing it every year. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's my short
3: answer that's about for you ladies. I said the same thing. I'd rather be prepared for the embarrassing moment versus like, oh shit, a new one. Because I like, yeah. you know the feeling of like, I'm not gonna lie, I did some pretty embarrassing things. You, could you give me alcohol? And sometimes the night goes, you know, you're like, the next day you're like, oh, did you know you did that? You're like, I'm like, oh, and I get so ashamed. Like I get really embarrassed and I'm like, I hate that feeling. So if I know that exactly what's going to happen, I'm like, all right, I can alleviate that like ashamed and embarrassment yeah. feeling a little bit more. So same as Helen, I would relive the same thing.
2: How about you? So I initially had also chosen to live the same very embarrassing moment versus having to face a new, less embarrassing moment every year. But then I ended up changing my answer. Um... And the reason why is because uh, similar to Helen, I thought like if it's the same, even if it was like incredibly embarrassing, I think over time, if it's happening annually, you'll build up a tolerance for it, right? But I think... If it was, like, a semi-embarrassing, meaning it doesn't kill you and it, it isn't horrible, I think I, it would force me to have to learn to kind of go with the flow more and to mm. release, like, um, being anxious and and to have to kind of, like, learn to build resilience more. But, of course, there's always a chance that it would go in the other direction. i just turn into a nervous mess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, my hope was, okay, if it would push me to be someone who would then kind of live for the moment a little bit more and and that could potentially have a net positive in my outlook in life maybe I would choose that. Woo woo.
1: I'm just kidding. kidding. That is a very strong perspective to have about embarrassing moments. I'm like nah just give me that one. Same same. (laughs) Let me tell people that it's coming so I can warn people that it's coming. How about what is a place that you fear like a physical location?
3: So I couldn't Name a specific location. So I just named a specific time. I said, I get scared during the nighttime almost anywhere if I'm alone because you never know what can happen. And mm. I feel like I, I feel like I feel this more in the US than I do in Asia. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Why I is feel, that? I don't know, I feel safer in Asia. Maybe because when I'm in Taiwan or in Tokyo, I feel like the city is feels alive and like awake Uh, longer and there's always people on the streets so i'm mm. not alone i remember i used to take comfort when i was um staying in taiwan that at night when i go to sleep i could still hear the cars honking Mm. and moving so i'm just cool like the city's still awake yeah I i don't feel this in new york but like in California I feel like people go to sleep at a certain time yeah. if I'm alone and by myself in the dark I get really really scared because you don't know what's going to happen I think also we consume a lot of American media where like shit happens to women mm-hmm. and, and also in real life that you're like mm. you, you kind of have to be protective of yourself as a woman so yeah that's that's my fear mm. that's actually a lot of why I was uh,
2: drawn towards like city type settings mm. um, and I mm. like the, the energy of being able to feel like at any given time of day there are people around you yeah. um, I also did not have a specific place but I would say a type of place I really do not like dark and dingy spaces Mm. um, if I have to be there for long and frequent periods of time I think I've said this before but I'm like really highly sensitive to spaces that I have to spend a lot of time in so for example like offices that don't have windows or like my bedroom in New York City that had one window that looked into the center of the courtyard of the building and out in, like, no light. (laughs) I think if it's, like, a space that I have to live in Mm -hmm. a lot and it's, like, not a lot of natural light or if there's – if it's musty or if it's really disorganized, it really affects my mood. Mm. So that would be for for me. How about you, Helen?
1: Um, The only place that I could really think of was hospitals. Mm. Um, I think you're never really there for a good reason. Like something needs to not be going well or normally for you or someone else that you care for for you to be there. And Mm. even if it's like someone having a baby, which is a beautiful thing... It's also hella scary mm-hmm. um, having like sat through my sister's birth and seeing yeah. that there could be so many just like random complications and doctors running in and it's just like you just never know what yeah. might happen, you know. And I never felt comfortable going to the hospital and I still have mm. very dark memories of just visiting or good last, last memories too of visiting, visiting my grandpa there but also just never knowing like when mm. would be the last moment. So hospitals, I do not like
3: going to at all. Mm. That sounds like a good answer, but that is a very reasonable one I didn't think about. Because it is, yeah, you're right. You go there for, not for really fun reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go there if things are going fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the next question is, who is a person you fear and why?
2: I would say I have a fear for, and this is probably almost everyone, but um, serial killers. Ooh. (laughs) But here's why, right? Not so much of the, I mean, yes, the killing part, but... Uh, people like Ted Bundy who their stories like they're so unassuming Mm. the fact that there's such a psychological twist to them right that it could just be anyone that you know walking down the street Mm -hmm. and that they could do something so gruesome Mm. that to me is I guess the unknown of that is like really uh, kind of terrifying Mm. The That's why other, I'm always like, F strangers, don't say hi to me. <laughs> yeah. I used to say hi to everyone in the elevator, and now I'm just like, nope. Right, you got to have your defenses up. Yeah. I still smile at people, actually, now that I think about it, and that makes no sense. <laughs>
1: be, <laughs> be mean. <laughs> just kidding, listeners like out there, don't, don't, of, don't yeah. be mean. <laughs> but also A-B-B's don't be just, there. like,
2: friendly to everyone for, you know, be smart about it, Yes, I guess. be smart. Um, the second type of person that I have a fear for is actually... If I really like you, and this is like so kindergarten and like, you know, immature or elementary, but I think there's still something about like the butterflies that to me still feel like fear. Oh. So if it's someone I have like a lot of feelings for because I'm I'm afraid that I'm going to do something <laughs> or you're going to see something you don't like and then that I'm going to be fear of not being liked. I don't know. By, by someone that I have feelings for. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because then
1: they can kind of control these. Uh, yeah, they have a lot of fear emotions. Yeah, they yeah. have a lot of power. I think for me, I couldn't think of someone for this one because um, I, I thought about like my parents and definitely not my friends and mm-hmm. not even people I don't like or people that have like done me wrong in the past. I don't fear them. Um, I know I would get nervous meeting certain people that I super admire, but there's no level of like fear there, right? Mm. I think the person that I would fear most would actually be myself because Mm -hmm. I'm the only one that can really control my thoughts and my actions and how I feel. And sometimes I have difficulty separating sort of like my ego with my soul. So your ego is sort of like the image of yourself and your social mask and your inner dialogue, which can be extremely critical. And it also dictates how much you sort of like weigh your worth versus your soul, which is sort of like your gut feeling about things, this like intuition and inner voice. um, And one that can really make you feel fearless and feel empowered. And sometimes I let like my ego side win. And that is the, the Helen that I fear. So yeah i think i'm the only person that that i can really
3: fear dark <laughs> however email so i also had um difficulty figuring out who i was afraid of because i was thinking about people i actually know and i was like i'm not afraid of anyone that's currently in my life but like helen and i said i would be nervous meeting certain people that i like look up to or anticipate meeting because then i'd be like i don't know what to say to you but i'm not afraid of meeting you i'm nervous of meeting you like yeah. i want to you know i think fear you're trying to avoid versus nerves you're like i want to i'm excited but I just don't know what's going to happen. So I didn't have a specific person. But Helen, as you're talking about, like, you probably just fear yourself. I think there are situations that um, result in fear. But fear is actually self-made and to some degree, right? And it makes me think about this one video, this motivational video that Will Smith put out. And it makes me want to do this activity. But so he was skydiving. Yeah. And he had a video where, like, there's something really incredible about jumping off this plane that you feel incredibly fearless. And I, I want to have that feeling because he said something about, like, um... I don't know if it's on the podcast, but he said bliss is on the other side of fear. Like so much on the other side of fear is like such good things. Like the ability or the um, want to like, you know, pursue your passion and things like that and success. And I'm like, damn, I really just want to feel that way because I think fear holds you back from a lot of things that you actually want to do. And all this stuff is created in your mind. Mm -hmm. I do think in some ways, Helen, you actually are really accurate when it turns like I think people are mostly probably afraid of themselves because it is it's created in your mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah what did you fear as a child or teenager
2: and how did you overcome these fears if you ever did
1: are you going like deep or superficial yeah. oh, really both. Mine is both both i mean i feared like super dark rooms and i still do like mm-hmm. like you ladies said too right like i hate scary movies i cannot do them at all that has not changed oh, what do you, what i see a face do what is do you think this is face? it
2: the unknown or like what is it that
1: it's the my imagination is is pretty vivid especially mm-hmm. at night if i'm by myself and anytime there's like a scene in a movie where it's like you're in a house and something happens like the last movie I mentioned this already the last scary movie that I really saw was the ring and I watched it and it Mm -hmm. like I literally had nightmares for like years after that and only until like yeah and and now I don't because I don't allow myself to watch Mm. movies like that because Mm. I will I will literally look at my sink and be like yep
3: <laughs> you know like oh shit one day oh my like, god there's a hole it's oh, a dark god. hole <laughs> i made a face because helen's like in dark rooms i'm like you're the one that wants to play sardines all the time in a hotel room <laughs>
1: you know what though that's funny because i actually get really like giddy and nervous because I, I do have a fear of it but oh. i'm like i still feel safe because it's my friends mm. but if all of you disappeared yeah and i was the last one i would actually be i, I might just sit down <laughs> like not do anything remember uh during our dear ebg we we're like who's gonna be the last one to survive in like yeah. in some scenario oh, yeah. and i said i would literally just go to sleep yeah. because i'd
3: be <laughs> i'd be too scared
1: so i'd go and like hide under the covers or something but i do have a fear of that game even though i like the thrill of it mm.
3: so sardines if you guys aren't familiar it's a game where literally you turn off all the lights and one person's it and everyone else is hiding in one place together and this person who's it has to go find everyone in the dark Helen likes to play. We play in the hotel room for her 30th birthday. and <laughs> We know. Yeah. Uh, oh, no? The game is one person hides, uh-huh.
2: and then everyone in the dark goes to seek that person. Yes. And oh! The, and the last person that finds them is by themselves in the dark looking for everyone. And yeah. to add on to that, when you
1: find the person, you... You collectively stay in the same place. Mm. So you try you like at the end of the day, if you have like ten people, there's nine people all clustered together into the small space, and one person that is in the dark trying to search for these nine people, and that is the scariest thing ever. Mm. When because like when everyone's when found. They're, they're, yeah, the group, when there's only yeah. one person hiding, you hear everyone like like whispering like oh, oh like where are they like oh did you go over here? Yeah. And then when those whispers die go down, yeah. it's like
3: <gasps> <laughs> why is there silence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the last one.
1: <laughs> it's
3: a fun game it is I think as a child I was also very you know imaginative I loved the Harry Potter books I read all the Harry Potter books and when the first movie came out I was so excited to watch it and I watched it in theaters and Voldemort freaked me the F mm. out or like you know, remember the scene okay spoiler if you guys watch Harry Potter there's a scene at the end where Professor Kroll unwraps his turban mm. and you see this face on his head yeah, yeah. that image just stuck with me for so long and I think I was like 10 when I watched the movie right mm. And I slept alone in my bedroom, obviously, but I was so afraid to sleep alone because whenever I close my eyes, I picture that freaking mm. Voldemort face. And I can't say his name. <laughs> the who he, who, does he call? Who he cannot be named? I don't fucking <laughs> know. He, he who cannot be named, yeah. Something like that. You <laughs> <Who he laughs> had the right <laughs> name or the right words <laughs> just in a <laughs> different yeah. order. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, you yeah. <laughs> know? <Yeah. laughs> Am I yodeling? What's going on? <laughs> but I remember I was so afraid. So my grandpa lived with us at that time and his bedroom was next to mine. And so. I couldn't sleep and I would grab my blankets and just put my like I'll sleep on the foot of like on this floor because I was so I wanted to I can't be alone. And the way I overcame this fear is that I was like, okay, what can I do to make sure like this this face isn't haunting me? So whenever I close my eyes, I picture Voldemort like dancing the stupid dance.
2: <laughs> so, oh, that's so i just like a mental tactic yeah, yeah so then
3: i was like okay he's fine like whatever yeah. and so that helped me get over that fear i couldn't do scary movies but there's something about it now that that does excite me it's like ooh, but i only can watch it during the day mm. but i definitely deal with the aftermath of watching scary movies because yeah. there are moments where literally like so in my house in my living room i feel like you guys have been there but if you sit on one of my couches your eye line is to my hallway, this long dark hallway. Ooh. So sometimes I look at it and I freak the f out. I'm like, what if someone just magically appears? Yeah. Because you can't see. It's like the unknown, right? Yeah, yeah. Or there are moments where like I'm in the bathroom and the lights are like, you know, you're you're about to go to sleep and your lights are off and you're going to the bathroom. And you see the mirror. No oh, hell mm. no, that shit freaks me ew, out too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, no. Those are my little fears as a th- actually those are probably my fears as a child and teenager.
1: Actually going back to your um, so I went to London and did like a little solo trip and I decided to watch this like long play harry potter and the cursed child and it's like a two-part like i think three hour each play oh wow i mean i had nothing else to do so i just i don't know why i spent my time doing that actually when i think about it because i didn't i had like only 48 hours there but spoiler alert one of the last scenes is voldemort he comes in from the fucking back so Um. he like walks down the middle aisle and i'm sitting at the edge and i was just like oh my god (laughs) like he is right next to me it was the scariest feeling ever because he looks scary he looks ghostly they like make the lighting and there's like fog and shit and i'm just like that sounds fun he's he you know how like you see it through screen you're like fit like mentally he's the scariest person right he's the villain for him to be physically next to you is like the scariest shit ever. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to trip him to like make it <laughs> actually, to make it like reality. Like, oh, you know, yeah. He's he's like not uh, in school yeah. or whatever. Mm. But I didn't.
2: That sounds really. Actually, I would love to watch. It was good. Mm. It was good. That sounds yeah. so much fun. How about Janet. So one of my earliest fears from like when I was like really really young, I think even before before I was like three, uh, was clowns. And mm-hmm. I actually don't remember where this fear came from. Mm-hmm. But, like, I have – my parents have photos of me, like, for my birthday when they got me a cake with a clown on it. And I was, like, bawling and crying. My mom's theory is that there was, like, this, like, kind of blanket with a, a cartoon clown on it that, like, my dad's coworker gifted them as like a baby gift or something yeah. and she put it up on the wall so she's like I think for some reason like you develop this like fear of clowns mm, yeah um but yeah and I remember going to circus circus in Las Vegas with my family when I was younger and you know they have like clowns there that go like yeah, yeah. play for the kids and my dad was holding me and we were walking into the lobby and this clown was coming up and he was like oh it's like <laughs> coming to play and I just like freaked the fuck out and I crawled up my dad's shoulders and over to his back like I was behind oh, it Wow. I was, like, what is <laughs> so yeah, I had like a deathly fear of clowns. And I, I was just pretty chicken as a child too. Just any anything that was like jumpy or mm-hmm. like scary or ghostly. Um, and I eventually overcame it. I think just you get older and then you kind of like you see clowns in like fairs and things mm-hmm. like that and you realize they're just people acting. So the other thing, you both have expressed like fear of the unknown in darkness and also the vivid imagination. So I still like kind of sometimes have trouble falling asleep, but um, I, I did also when I was a child. And... I still remember at night, like, kind of not loving the nighttime because it would take me so long to fall asleep. And my mom would uh, give us a nightlight. So Mm. we had nightlights around in the hallway and then in each of our rooms. But what that did is it creates shadows.
3: Yeah.
2: And so I have – there's, like, hours, hours from my childhood of just sitting and staring at the ceiling, staring at the walls, and, like, being like, go to bed, go to sleep. But then I would, like, look at the shadows. And then the longer I look. I would start to see things appear or like my, my, my mind would make things out of the like shadows that are created. And I just spent so many hours like terrified of that. But the way that I overcame it, because there were moments where I was just like so paralyzed by fear. And I was like, you know what? You just have to prove to yourself that nothing's there. So I would stare at it long enough. I'm like, if something's there, something will happen to me. Something will happen to me. And I would just like stare it down. And then eventually I learned nothing would happen mm. so it was like my first experience of kind of like quote unquote facing your fears yeah. but damn so many so many nights of like just like Egh. yeah
1: damn <laughs> you're brave i will literally go to sleep yeah. <laughs>
3: that is that is close your eyes that is scary because honestly like what would you rather have like be in the dark complete darkness or see sh- or shadows. be in shadows because i think yeah, that's, that's just, that is hard i don't know <laughs> which one i would choose yeah oh yeah. my
1: gosh i actually don't know which i would choose either i think ooh, i think i would choose darkness i think Ooh, really? I don't know. I I don't know. know. (laughs) Should we try this tonight? No. (laughs) i think i think i would need a little bit of light, light yeah. yeah i think my imagination would be too, too vivid yeah. to fill in the rest of it if i didn't have a little bit of light
2: mm. that's true because you get confirmation from the light that an object is not moving right or a shadow is not moving right. versus when it's complete darkness you get everything can be moving
3: oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dude as we're talking right now i'm so happy we're recording this during the day because if it's nighttime, <laughs> i literally would freak out because like all all of a sudden like these scary like stories Images? are popping can... in my head mm. I was an to Janet because I, I was like, dude, you know, as you're talking about the clown, I realized as a kid, I don't know if you guys also felt this way, but were you also afraid of, um, you know when you go to Disneyland where people are dressed in characters? Oh. Those like big ass heads and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, as a child, I used to go to a hometown buffet with my family. And there's one time I was there with my dad, and we were eating ribs, and this freaking beak, which is the mascot, came out. And I literally had him drop his plate and leave the fucking restaurant I was so afraid. I was so afraid of those, like... I could see baby Mel, like, freaking out over a plate of ribs and climbing to that. Yeah, to and, like, looking back now, I feel really bad because, like, that's wasting food <laughs> and money, but... Yeah, those characters really freaked me out. Oh. Like I was okay
2: with them. Oh. Like, I would go to Chuck E. Cheese and I'd, I'd be fine. I don't know. But the yeah, clowns. I was are... okay with those, too. I,
1: I, I'm more like, when you said that, I was thinking about, like, haunted houses. When people uh, come up ooh. and scare you, I will try and talk to them. I'll oh. like, oh, how's oh. your day? Yeah, <laughs> how's night going? Like, are, do you do this? What do you do, like, uh, other than Halloween, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that actually does help them. It does, it does. It humanizes.
3: Yeah. yeah. There's one time I did that at, like, Great America in NorCal, and the the I started dancing, and you started dancing with me. Oh, that's <laughs> I do want to go on a haunted house. Dead. What was
1: it? What's that song?
3: Oh, the monster, the monster mash. Mash, We, yeah. oh. yeah. <laughs> I do think we should go to a haunted house together. Hell no. Ooh, I don't no, like no, 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 that
2: no.
1: shit. Yeah. Only if I'm in the middle of both of you, you sandwich oh, the hell God. out
3: of me. I'm going to end up passing out and then be just dead weight. It will not wait. be
2: good.
3: I'll <laughs>
1: so go. just
2: pass out and go to sleep. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: we're just going to go to sleep. Wait, I know we said this in DREBG, but I like, kind of forgot. So side question, wait. So if Helen's in the middle, Jenny you want to be front or, or the end? Oh, shit. I'd probably be at the end and just have one arm out, like, way <laughs> behind me so no one can. Yeah. Like. Honestly, I usually would want to be in the middle or... I would, But with you two, I would probably take the front then.
1: Yeah. Oh. I can see that. See, that's why I said for that question of who would survive, I said I actually thought you would survive.
3: Me? Because Why? I, yeah,
1: even though I feel like you you do say you're, like, scarediest, yeah. I think me, me, Janet and I are actually more scared yeah. of things than, than you are. You have, you have like... The, the youth and the energy <laughs> mm. and a bit of the
2: ignorance of the youth it is it's true or that they're not ignorance. it's like a little bit of the naivete uh, that is what naivete. they would say I like that word better than ignorance <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Skillshare is a sponsor of today's episode of Asian Boss Girl. For all you creative and curious people out there, all you beginners, pros, dabblers, and masters, Skillshare has something for you. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes. And with so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. At a time when so many important conversations are happening in our world, your voice is more essential than ever. So
2: explore classes to unlock your creativity for social good. One of the classes that I really enjoy taking was by Penny Lane titled Filmmaking from Home Turn Found Footage Into a Compelling Video. As someone who was never completely comfortable in front of or behind the camera, learning from someone who has the expertise and the technique down is a really great way to boost my skills in this area. And hopefully, you're enjoying more of our self-edited
3: videos over on our Asian Boss Girl YouTube channel. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash ABG10, and the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Again, the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Head to Skillshare.com slash ABG10. For me, I am always looking for ways
1: to make my life easier and more efficient. The ability to offload even the smallest tasks can free up my mental space and make a really big difference. One thing that I've been loving is the convenience of turning on my lights with the power of my voice through Alexa. And right now, Amazon Alexa is offering a special smart lighting bundle for our listeners.
3: When I enter my house, I just say, Alexa, turn on the lights, and then it just turns on. It's kind of like if I had a boyfriend and he'd turn on the lights for me, you know, it feels nice. You know, the setup was super easy. Just connect your new smart bulb to the Echo Dot and you're all set. You can set every possible mood to, you know, set the mood for yourself with over 60-minute light colors to choose from. You can also set lighting routines to gently wake you up in the morning, help you wind down at night, or completely turn off at a certain time.
2: Right now, you can get 20% off your Amazon Smart Lighting Bundle only at Amazon.com slash ABG. Every bundle includes an Echo Dot smart speaker and a Sangled color-changing light bulb. That's Amazon.com slash ABG to get 20% off and take advantage of this amazing smart home deal. Amazon.com slash ABG.
1: okay so let's move on to the next question tell me about a time when you were confronted with a very significant fear
3: and how did you react all right i guess we're going deep with this one i think i'm afraid deeply of lack of direction in my life i'm i like i'm a type a i like control and so i think i felt this fear the most when i ended my internship with longfu when that Mm -hmm. internship ended at that point i feel like i didn't know what else to do for work like here i am landing my dream internship and it didn't turn into a full-time gig and i just didn't know what else to do because like I think at that time when you're younger, you only have one dream and one aspiration. So when you hit it, you're like, you don't know what else is next. And on top of that, during that time, I had a mentor like figure that I had in L.A. at a time where I didn't really have anyone else. I had no new friends. All my friends were back at home in the Bay Area. And this person I kind of like trusted and looked up to me and her had a falling out. And I think the falling out came from a misjudge of my character. And I think that also tears me apart, like. One, yes, a lack of direction, but two, like, I try to be as real and genuine to who I am. And if someone were to just kind of twist that in a way where that's not who I really truly am and see me as someone else, it really gets to me. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what else to tell you that this is really who, this is really me, but you're seeing me in this negative way. Mm. And so I remember feeling really, really empty during this time. Because one, I didn't know where else to go. And two, I feel like I'm in a foreign place where no one really knows who I am. And I remember crying a lot like I was um just isolated my friends would try to take me out to karaoke and I would just cry in the karaoke room and I would call my mom a lot and then I would actually just drive up to NorCal so many times just because I wanted to be around friends who were familiar with me and luckily there was like a five and a half hour drive but doing that like every three weeks kind of was stupid um and the thing I did to I guess how I reacted to that was um, I think when you're trying to find direction, you kind of trust say yes to things that sound semi-interesting. And so I would take on jobs that I'm like, I don't know if I like this, but sure, I'll, I'll try it out. And that's when I actually started working at this PR firm doing social media analytics. And I also started producing at that time, like freelance producing and working for YouTubers. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know what the fuck a producer was, any of that stuff. But I will say looking back though, I'm happy I was able to take a step, any step forward because that corporate, like that, Internship I did at the PR firm really helped set the foundation for my social media jobs like in the years mm. to come. And and then I started going on tour. Um, and I realized like that going on tour, that experience is like one, it's like a once in a lifetime experience and has like brought me like some of my closest friends like Justin, the j Rod Twins. Mm. And so I feel very fortunate for that, but it came from a time of feeling really low. Mm. And so that's when I feel like I was dealing with the fear. Mm. Oh, also, sorry, the one thing I did, another thing I want, I want to add that I did learn from that situation especially from the falling out I learned I learned how to rely on myself and not be dependent on someone else for a sense of purpose mm. you know or direction so that's when I really turned to journaling and I really learned how to cherish my friendships back at home and even now like when I I think when I started getting close to you two I feel really really grateful that you guys actually saw me for me and still and loved me and wanted to be my friend for who I am as Mel because having someone really just like kind of just tear your character apart it really just sucks you know, and so for you guys appreciating me and me being stupid and whatever naivete, blah, 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 <laughs> I just I, I just really appreciate it. You know. Aww.
2: yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah. How about you two? Let's see. A time when I confronted with a very significant fear. This is probably a pretty common one, and one that a lot of Asian American people can relate to. Uh, but I would say from junior high through my early work years, my greatest fear was failure, um, and I kind of used the default definitions of success um, and thus default definitions of failure that, you know, society provided and that, you know, what was based on the schooling system, workplaces and and society in general. Um, so for me, you know, the kind of setup and scary moment was when I left my first secure job for something else. I describe it to people like I had a bag of marbles that I was holding up and I cut a snip into the bottom and the marbles just came pouring out and there's no way that I could stop it I made a decision and took an action that could not be reversed right Mm. you
1: lost your marbles yeah I (laughs)
2: lost my marbles I mean kind of along the way a little bit figuratively Mm. and literally um but I would say at first it was like exciting right it's like it's a month and I'm exploring and you know I'm trying to figure things out and then it was like okay three months passed and I still haven't totally nailed down a direction but I've gained some intern experience at this thing I was doing and then six months pass, and I'm like okay, this direction isn't working out. Um, Okay, then, you know, plan B, like I need to make a big pivot and try a totally different field. So I go through all of this effort to research and to apply to a program and go through the program, move across country, make a decision to like change whatever it was. And many months into this, I've finished that program and I'm interviewing for jobs and I have this oh shit feeling inside, like something feels off This is not kind of the right direction, but I can't go back now. I've invested all this time. But also, if I go deeper into this wrong direction, am I going to end up exactly where I started? (laughs) Basically, all this stuff is happening, and I suddenly find myself back in Orange County, living in my parents' home, now having been jobless for three years. And I really hit, like, kind of this rock-bottom place where I felt like I have ultimately failed, right? I definitely went through a period of sulking of trying to cope with these really negative feelings of shame, confusion, anger and sadness. Uh, and I did eventually, you know, find a job and kind of ate my ego a bit and the job was not ideal. It was, you know, less pay than I wanted. It was not the quite like cultural work environment that I wanted, but I kind of just kept going. But of course, even having to keep going, um, I was going to work every day, like just feeling really unhappy, but trying to just like keep pushing and moving forward. And it kind of continued this way. and. So I would say how I reacted was like I kind of did let myself feel the emotions, but I also fought them a lot. I resisted th- these feelings of like of um of letting myself fully like admit to failure, of letting myself fully feel sad. In hindsight, I wish that I had just kind of like let myself experience those feelings more and more quickly because on the other side of just letting myself admit that I failed, was survival. And it was to know that, like, eventually, if I just kept going, that I would find an industry that did work for me and find a job and work up in that job to a place that of what I was aiming for. So I guess I tell that story as more of like facing what in my past was the biggest fear. Once your greatest fear happens and you survive, that fear is kind of eliminated Mm. Mm. that's a good one
1: damn that was that was very deep i think both of your uh fears are you know about like failure and direction i'm just like yeah those are very very real and good fears to have um but it's good to also hear that you are both sort of on the other side of that and you've learned from that and you've grown from that and i can see it too in both of you like the confidence that you've built right um, for me, I guess this is more of a situational thing, mm-hmm. and you know you both know this already and people know this already. I have a fear of public speaking. That is probably one of the few things in my life that give me actual anxiety and the physical reactions of anxiety, which include like the heart palpitations, the shortness of breath, the sweaty as fuck (laughs) armpits, like my brain just screaming at me like, danger, danger, don't do it. Get off the stage. You don't belong there, you know, and my head literally starts to like black out a little bit. And I forget everything that I prepared for as much as I prepared for it. And I might have said this in the past, but it, I think it did stem from this one declamation class that I had in 8th grade, which is part of my English class, and it was an entire grade on your report card. And it was based on how well you could memorize a poem or a speech and recite it back to your class. And it just gave me the worst anxiety because I remember there was this one kid in our class and he had a stutter. Oh. And I felt... Oh, it was just, like, so hard to see him up there just, like, stumbling through the whole thing. Oh. And it's hard because everyone in class, like... We're giggling and you can't sometimes you can't hold in the giggles yeah so I saw how much that was like a detriment to him yeah and I think my takeaway from that also is that people will laugh at you if you fuck up yeah mm. uh. and so I think like psychologically it, that is just not a good class to have right especially for like kids who are who are still so young and so insecure yeah I think how I overcame that like fuck Like, I'm still overcoming it, right? We've done a a dozen speaking engagements now for ABG. And I think I do a pretty good job of looking like I have my my shit together up there. But it's still my biggest fear, I would say. I think it does take just trusting myself more and more. And each time I finish one of those speaking events, I actually think to myself, like, hey, you're actually pretty good at this, like, off-the-cuff stuff and being engaging and having fun with the audience if you can just be yourself. Hmm. So I think that's also where the whole ego versus soul thing that i mentioned earlier comes into play like if i just learn to trust myself more I, I can actually be pretty good at this and i think that takes time and it takes repetition and like you were saying too janet it just takes like this stuff just you just have to go through it and and learn from it yeah there's a part of me that also feels like with abg this is sort of our future if we want to be sort of the protagonists of our stories and telling our stories i have to be not afraid of facing my fear of telling my story so yeah I guess I'm doing it right now hello
2: <laughs> yeah actually before every speaking event all three of us get very nervous but yeah. it wasn't until yeah I had private time with you after I realized oh you actually have physical reactions to this because public speaking is legitimately like a big fear for some people and it mm-hmm. causes like mm-hmm. yeah so when I knew because you hold it together quite oh my well God, I very know. well yeah and you and you do do very well on stage but then yeah when you were telling me you're like no literally like feel my palms right now and yeah. it's like oh she's like having a physical reaction yeah. to this so, i literally
1: had yeah. like mini panic attacks i think before yeah. and i didn't know what a panic attack was until like i learned more about it yeah. them and i was just like oh yeah i have panic attacks so i go out <laughs> there okay that's what that
3: is but you're doing wonderful yeah oh, thank you thank you trying no you're right whenever we have a speaking agent i think all of us are just like a moment of silence please as everyone <laughs> prepares in a corner of the room by themselves It's actually kind of, i think it's really cute but um for me i'm always like on stage with you but i'm just like that was you're so good like that was so good like both yeah. of y'all and i'm like that's why i'm also surprised when you when, like when you're saying you your, your fear of speaking a public speaking i'm just like Helen, you're really good on stage yeah. like you're really good at speaking and i'm just like what the heck like always, i'm always afterwards. i'm just like that was so good
2: helen what the hell yeah but also the fear is not necessarily um like about being good or not right it's just being up there yeah i think it's yeah yeah so i understand that
1: it's weird because when i first go on there i will literally be, have that like you, and you i fucking hate the fucking quiver in my throat too because you can hear Uh-oh. my fear when it comes out <laughs> and i try so hard to suppress it i'm like breathe swallow <laughs> speak <laughs> but then i think after a certain period of time like i can get comfortable up there mm. and when i do that's when i feel like i'm just like thriving you're like in so, flow. yeah i don't know how to get there faster though and I think it does just take repetition. Yeah, like just yeah. just keep doing it and building the confidence. And I think there was one time where we were on stage, uh, and I had to kind of let myself be like free flowing and just talk. And I think I had mentioned something about like Steve Jobs in the context of him still being alive. And I remember hearing the audience go, oh, and I was like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, like this is my worst fear happening right now, you know? Imposter syndrome and like everything, all of these fears just like hitting me at one time like a fucking wall and I remember just looking at you ladies like <gasps> I owned up to the fact that I was wrong and then just tried to like move it on as fast as I could but I was freaking out inside.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the best way is to not ignore it, just address it. Like I said this wrong and then you kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
1: <laughs> but like to see the the faces of like all the students and they were just like,
3: <gasps> you're like, oh shit, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh shit. <laughs> (laughs) Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! All right, ladies. The next question is: What fear do you currently have that you wish you could overcome, and how do you think you can overcome this fear? Mine's gonna go deep, but not very long.
2: Or not deep. It just is more serious. Like a chode. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Did you say deep like a choke? <laughs> that's not deep. Yeah, that's true. I was wrong. They're short. I just to yeah, It's an ironic statement,
1: okay. Wait, it's going to go
2: deep but not long. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or it'll be serious but pretty short. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, penis analogies. Okay. <laughs> this episode is about fear, by the way. Fear of chotes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Ooh, okay, a fear that I currently have that I... Wish, or I'm gonna cross my fingers and say I hope I can overcome. Or maybe this is I will live a lifetime being able to overcome and then having to meet it again. Um, I do have a fear of being uh, stuck in a state of depression forever. Um, not, I mean, I think not necessarily being in a deep, deep depressive state, but there is something about knowing that I have a tendency towards like a light level of depression. That kind of makes me feel like oh i have to deal with this for the rest of my life and that kind of scares me a bit but how i think i can overcome this fear is to always hold on to the fact that i have tools at my disposal that i know that work uh one of them being movement one of them meditation and one of them being therapy that's my short serious and not very long.
1: <laughs> oh, I want to hug you.
3: <laughs>
2: Ooh, yes. So for anyone out there who's also kind of going through stuff, um, it's okay to be scared. And uh, you have tools at your disposal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How's it feel to say that?
2: Oh, that's actually the very first time I've addressed that to you ladies even, I think, in, in person. So one of the interesting things is, like, I think we talked about therapy and mental health in a lot of other episodes, and I feel that I've had a pretty open relationship with mental health for almost a decade now, just with people in my life and then also with myself personally. But it wasn't until probably uh, when COVID started that I started seeing um, – I, I I started – or at that point, I had now seen, like, three therapists who I had all gotten kind of, like, similar feedback from. Um, And so for me to recognize like, hey, I might have like a condition that is um, kind of like innately, uh, I don't, it's not, I don't know if you would say by but there might be a biochemical uh, component to it that did kind of scare me, not scare me, but I think for the longest time, I always thought of it as, oh, I'm someone who's prone to periods of depression, but I did not think of it as I have a general state of, of light depression always. Mm. And I think having that uh, brought up as a possibility was like, oh, okay, this is something that like I'm kind of – maybe I just have to like learn to live with. But I also feel very fortunate that at least in the current state, it is in a very manageable state and that I have tools, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's why it's like, oh, I reached a new stage of, of knowing about my mental health only in the last six months. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Okay, <laughs> hey, move on. Stop look at me.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I think as you were saying that, I was actually thinking about like my real fear because mm. I put down like, oh, public speaking, um, which is still a fear that I'm working through. But I also, I think, similarly have a, a real fear of the whole just like ego versus soul thing. And I'm just going to say that, that that is what it is to simplify the things that I am going through. Um, and it has taken therapy and a lot of also tools that you can use. But I was actually just thinking a couple of days ago, I think both of you have watched the show Modern Love, right? Amazon? Yeah, the New oh, York I Times ha- one. Did I you have seen, not seen it. You yet, haven't seen it, but you saw it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just watched the third episode, the one with Anne Hathaway. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? So good. And I didn't think that it was going to affect me as much as it did. I was literally, like, I think – I cried during, after that episode the most that I had ever cried watching something in a long period of time. Wow, okay. And it's because... So it's about a girl who has bipolar disorder. And mm-hmm. I don't have bipolar disorder, but I think there are parts of that show and the feelings and emotions that she has gone through and the sort of, like, perfectionism side that she puts out into the world and also just the inner tur- turmoil that she feels mm-hmm. within her own walls. Mm-hmm. And I was just like wow there are parts of here that yes are my my feelings as well but in a very exaggerated way because it's in in the in the show Mm -hmm. but i'm just like i felt like exposed a little bit Mm. and as you were talking janet there is a part of me that also feels like i want to be able to overcome these things that I personally also have been going through, um, and it's a scary thing yeah. to not to not be certain like when you're actually going to get there. Yeah, mm. Anna Hathaway actually did a, a, a she phenomenal did such a job. good job. Mm. At first, I was like, "What is going on? Exactly. This is a weird ass episode." Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, I was just like, oh, "Wow,
2: that yeah. was so beautiful
3: and painful to watch." Mm. But there's something about the episode about when it comes to fear. I think about like how people are always everyone we know is probably going through something that we're not aware of. And there's a level of kind of like acceptance of this is my reality and I'm going to learn how to live with this. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something, I don't want to say like ugly but beautiful, but like that is the reality of life. I think in some ways when we're younger, life is painted in such a beautiful way that that you don't really get to see the real raw things that people are actually going through. Mm And so I think that episode did did a good job of acknowledging that. It's kind of like what you said with, you know, what you're battling with, with your depression is that it's something i'm living with but i need to learn how to live with it mm-hmm. now not something i can't maybe fully get rid of it but how do i live alongside with this and mm-hmm. create this create this relationship that that's working for both of us mm-hmm. kind of like my therapist said like she said, you know, when, when people are living with these, you know, whether it's, you know, depression or maybe you're fighting your ego. These are these are things you can't really get rid of, but you can learn how to build a relationship with it, like a more, po- like I guess, positive relationship with it. And so as you guys are talking, I think that's very true to mm-hmm. that statement she told me. Yeah. I think there's
1: a part of the show where um, it's the acceptance part yeah. of it, too, mm-hmm. where she finally accepts it and shares it yeah. with people. And she just like goes on a spree of like sharing it with like all, her, all of her exes that she yeah. had bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and um and also i think the spoiler alert i guess but at the end she kind of just like emails everyone about everything that she is you yeah. know it's like if you accept me for me then reach out to me yeah. if you want to mm-hmm. date me yeah you know for all of the ugliness and and the beauty that has come out of it too so yeah, yeah. it's a really good episode mm-hmm. how
3: about you mel i'm trying to, i was trying to figure out mine i feel like i have a lot of insecurities so I'm trying to think about where did my insecurities stem from in terms of fear and I think one of my fears that I'm trying to overcome, and these are things I for my fears, I go in and out of them. There are moments where I feel it deeply, and there are times I'm just like, feel it mildly. I think one of my fears is not. I'm afraid that I won't ever be truly deeply loved by someone. I think it's because um, in terms of like a partnership, having said I love you to someone and truly mean it, I don't I don't remember the last time, maybe it's my first relationship in high school, but I also think about. When you're in high school, it's like puppy love. And so I don't know how it really feels to say, I love you to a partner. Like to have, I think it's a different type of love you give to your significant other versus like a family member or friends. And I've never experienced that in my, like I can't remember when. You know, and I also fantasize so much and I think about this ideal relationship I really want. And I think I'm afraid that I need to actually lower my expectations a lot because this idea that I have in my head, I'm not gonna actually be able to get it. It's this kind of realization that I'm wondering if, Is this the self-confidence that I built throughout these, throughout, you know, my young adulthood into now, is it going to have to, do I have to build myself down actually? Because I do think for me, self-confidence is something I naturally had. I had to work at to build a self-confidence. So I think sometimes it's like this this realization, like, or this thought like, oh, maybe I'm not as amazing as I thought I would, I am actually. And maybe the people I think that I want to be with don't see me this way. So I actually truly am not that way. And that's something I need to kind of, I'm t- kind of going or working towards. So self-confidence is something I feel like I come in and out of. And I, I talk to my therapist about it, saying like, there are sometimes I feel like really amazing and feel really proud of my accomplishments and who I am. But there are also times where I'm like, I don't know if this is actually my true self that people see. Or maybe I, I, I maybe I put out into the world this fake self-confident Mel, but in reality, that's not who she really is. And that's something I'm trying to overcome myself. And um, that's just the way I go overcome this is reminding myself, you know, when the right time comes, the right person will come because that that has happened in the past. And um, just like words of affirmation, I try to, you know, journal about. This also relates to um, my other fear, which I learned through our Enneagram or our personality. uh oh, was it the Enneagram? The Enneagram test. I fear that I'm not valuable. And I think the self-confidence does play into that. Um, I think it's been a really weird time, um, and this is stuff that I kind of, looking back on my past and, you know, my different friendship groups and the things I worked on, I've, I'm scared that I'm just not, yeah, I, I don't put in the right work. I'm not valuable as a person, uh, as part of this trio. I don't think people talk about openly how, you know, as much as I love ABG and my other friendship groups that I'm part of, when you're part of a group, and it's really natural, for maybe just for me, I compare myself so easily and all the time in comparison like Helen said in a previous episode, like, comparing yourself is... A, comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah, comparison is a thief of joy, and that's something I actually do all the time. It sucks, but I, I do think that's something I need to learn how not to do. It's a it's a shitty behavior, and I'm not going to lie that this also comes from working in social media. You know, I've been working in social for how many years now, and when you're scrolling all the time online, you're constantly comparing yourself naturally whether you like to admit it or not. And I do think it does affect my psyche to a little bit. So that's why I try to turn off and I have difficulty turning off. And I also think um, the way I'm tackling this is that I'm trying to reflect and acknowledge that I can act this way sometimes. And it's and it's also weird because like you're, when you're affirming yourself, you don't want to be like, I'm amazing because A, B, and C because you want to be humble and honest. you don't want to brag, right? And so I think it's a thing where like Oh, I don't want to brag about myself. I I should be excited and acknowledge my traits when I can. And another thing I do to um, overcome this fear is I'll admit it. I seek validation through you too. Then, hey, um, I need words of affirmation right now. So when I need things, I'm not afraid to ask for it. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, just actively working towards overcoming this fear of, you know, not being loved and not seeing myself as invaluable that is something i want to overcome
2: i think that's a very natural like deeply human fear right like when you boil down a lot of these things come from like a place of feel fearing that you either will not be loved or you're not good enough to be loved Mm -hmm. um and i do what i really like is that you have these very distinct ways that you want to kind of like where you are you're like i'm not going to be afraid to ask for validation for myself um, yeah, and continue doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not – yeah, and I think it's like how – what is the difference between confidence versus cockiness? Yeah. What do you think is the difference? I don't know. I'm trying I'm trying to figure out, like – I think confidence is when you recognize something that's, like, more factual and grounded. Mm-hmm. Maybe cockiness is when you're, like, you're
3: inflated perspective mm. of yourself. Maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I've always been someone that's been attracted – and I try to emulate this—is that with confidence? Is like something I don't have to tell you all the time. Like I don't have to prove mm. to prove to anyone that I'm I'm confident. You'll just see. Just you'll, you'll just know by seeing. Mm. Versus, That's I think good. a lot of cocky people say, "Oh, look at me! Look at this! Look oh. at look at what I've earned!" Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I get really turned off by that. Yeah. So it's just more like how you display it. Maybe mm.
1: mm-hmm. I think there's a part of just like hearing your fears, and uh, I know I, I'm probably speaking for on behalf of myself and Janet. It's like I wish you could see yourself through our eyes Mm -hmm. because you're (laughs) incredibly Ah. (laughs) beautiful oh these words of affirmation are making her go into her shirt right now (laughs) cover
3: her face Okay, i'm not wearing a bra i
1: was like yeah i'm not wearing a bra no but like seriously though meli like when you say i want to i think i need to lower my i'm like no like these he's he's out there you know like you just haven't found him yet so i hope that you're not going into this world of lowering your expectations she's hiding behind a chair now yeah has a it feel to feel <laughs> awkward and in your feelings oh. <laughs> i already cried in this season
2: <laughs> oh.
1: I, I mean that a lot though i think we see you in a very
2: amazing
3: light yeah, yeah. and I, I really appreciate
2: it mel i also want you to know that like so i know because you know you talk about the in terms of looking for a partner and feeling like you know do i need a lower expectation but when you have these insecurities about am I putting enough work, right? I want you to know that that is a completely natural, like, insecurity to have. Like, I still have that insecurity as well. So know that you're, like, not alone in that. But also know that in reality, I'm telling you, you put in a lot of work, Mm -hmm. right? And so have confidence in when you're giving your all, I want you to be able to get to a place where you can recognize that and be like, that is enough. That's more than enough. Yeah, I appreciate that.
3: Stop!
1: (laughs) Stop! We love you, Mel Mel. Yeah. And I think I can can speak on behalf of myself, Janet, and everyone else listening in right now. For real. I did not expect this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) To cry. Damn it. Damn it. Ladies, I just got off the phone with my BetterHelp therapist earlier today, and I'm honestly so thankful that there's a virtual option like this out there and also one that is available for our listeners worldwide. BetterHelp is an online counseling service. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling done securely online. I've worked with therapists in the past, and when Shelter-in-Place started earlier
1: this year, I signed up for BetterHelp and found the virtual component incredibly helpful. Like Mel said, they assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You have the option of selecting a counselor who does messaging, phone calls, or video sessions, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Plus, you can change
0: counselors at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in those uncomfortable waiting rooms as with traditional therapy.
2: It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Visit betterhelp.com ABG10. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. They have a special offer just for ABG listeners where you can get 10% off your first month. Try it out at betterhelp.com ABG10.
1: I know a lot of you have been asking us, how are you staying fit without being able to go to the gym nowadays? Well, I wanted to introduce you to Tempo. It's the first home system that uses
0: 3D sensors and machine learning to analyze your motion and provide real-time rep counting, form feedback, and weight recommendations. One of the features I've really liked about Tempo is that it has an AI-powered
1: 3D sensor that corrects your form in real time. So it'll tell you if your knees are too far over your toes in a squat or if you're leaning too far back on a standing shoulder press.
2: Tempo has a 42-inch HD touchscreen and streams live and on-demand classes and it comes with dumbbells and a lifting bar with 115 pounds in total. The weights itself are so different from any other at-home fitness system out there. You can review your workout stats, suggested classes, and leadership board rankings on the Tempo Studio or with the Tempo iPhone app. And there are over 500 live and on-demand classes for strength training, HIIT, cardio, mobility, and recovery.
3: Purchase Tempo for $0 down and finance as low as $55 a month for 36 months. Check them out at Tempo.fit and use code ABG for $100 off. That's T-E-M-P-O dot F-I-T and be sure to use promo code ABG to save $100. Tempo.fit, code ABG.
2: Last question for you ladies. What advice would you give someone, uh, for example, a good friend who said they were too afraid to pursue their dreams because they could fail? I'll answer this in the
1: context of I'm afraid to pursue my dreams and quitting my job and going Mm -hmm. for my dream. I think that if you are not going to compromise your health and if you have the financial means to take the step, then go for it. I think the sooner the better. As someone who is probably more realistic and practical than a dreamer, I would say put together a plan and put together a financial runway of how much do you have left in the bank and how much do you have in your savings and put together a business model or plan, put together a team of people that you trust. And once you have the foundations in place, I would say just go for your dreams, like go for it fast, go for it hard. I think sometimes when you quit something stable and pursue something you want, and I think I felt this for ABG too, but you're kind of like one foot in and one foot out because you're either thinking like oh I'm my own boss and I can chill that sort of a feeling or you don't want to believe that this is the thing that you are sort of relying on and you don't want to show people that you're putting all your eggs into this one pa- basket in case it fails because this thing now represents you and I think I had a little bit of both of these feelings during our uh, initial journey into ABG full-time and I realized that You just really need to dive right in. Like once you have all the practicality stuff in place, financial, whatever, like just go into it because you're going to learn so much more from that journey of diving in than always wondering what if, and that is not a good feeling to live with. So that would be my piece of advice. I feel like a lot of people always say, just go for it, you know, but like, yeah. it's yeah, I mean, think about it, talk to people about it, create a plan and then go for it. A couple more steps there instead of just go for it. <laughs>
2: but no, that's, I think that's really, really beautifully articulated and very good advice. I agree. You kind of took my notes. Just kidding. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I, I wrote down, I would say realistically create a plan. Um, I think that's something we actually talk about this a lot because people ask us this question and I think the difference between what we answer maybe versus other people is that Helen's saying go for it. We say go for it, but we always say make a plan before going for it because I think, you know, you want to make sure you're creating kind of like a a map for how to do this. You might not know the the right direction, but if you create a plan, at least you have some kind of direction, right? For me, I I wrote create a plan and give yourself a time frame to actually go for it and set goals. Like goals that you can realistically kind of hit. Maybe like talk to three people in the industry, like things like that. Um, I think when you said a time frame, you're not aimlessly just kind of going for something, not knowing when to like realistically check yourself, right? So I would also add to the plan, give yourself a time frame. Maybe it's a year to try to see how where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said go for it. I feel like you learned <laughs> But with a with a plan and a time frame. I feel like you learn a lot about yourself when you take that leap of faith and the fear that you have turns into excitement and nerves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna, you know, lie and say it's easy, it's not, it's tough. But at the end of it, I think it's really worth it because whether let's say you get that dream or not on along the way, you create a very strong backbone, which can help you overcome your other fears. And I think that's something I learned throughout, you know, pursuing ABG and other things before ABG. Honestly, growing up, I did not have a very strong backbone. I was I'm sensitive, as you guys can tell. I was already crying from this episode. People would always tell me growing up, like, Mel, you got to get a stronger backbone if you want to work in entertainment, or you want to do all this stuff. And so I think I was able to actually learn to get a stronger backbone I'm just thinking about a whale at this point, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I was able to like gain that strong mentality by actually choosing to pursue this, not knowing what was going to happen, but pursuing that the pursuit created these other like really cool other uh, skills and traits that I, I don't take for granted. Definitely read the alchemist if
1: that is also they also teach you to go for it but what you're going to learn and get out of going for it is more what you're going to learn during the journey that actually the destination of where you actually want to be
2: you both gave incredibly thorough and beautiful um words of advice i actually wasn't thinking about this in, in context of someone asking us to leave a job um and i my answer was with one quote Um, that I heard from uh, it was Jim Carrey's commencement speech Mm. for I don't remember what college it was uh, but he said you can fail at what you don't want so you might as well take a chance on doing what you love and Mm. He said this in the context of telling the story about how his father um, always had resisted his pursuit of his dream to do something more practical. I think he went into like accounting or something. And he's like, and then at the end, at the age of like 40 or 50, my dad was laid off and he lost everything. So he's like, he took the safe route and he still lost everything. Mm, That's a good quote. Thanks for joining us for this Halloween-inspired episode where we shared our fears, everything from the seemingly silly to the very deep and serious. We hope this encourages you to think a little more deeply about your fears, to have conversations with your friends and family about them, and to maybe develop a plan to face some of your fears. We have some partnerships that we want to share with you all, BetterHelp, Ritual Vitamin, Daily Harvest, and more. The links and codes you can use for a discount can be found in our show notes. For more partnership discounts, head to our website. And you can find us on all the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.
1: Subscribe and leave us a rating and review, please, at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can do so at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support we are also very active on social our handle is at asianbossgirl if you enjoyed the episode today screen cap the podcast and Tag us with your biggest fear, and we may reshare on our IG story. Find us on YouTube where we answer your listener-submitted questions on a show called Dare ABG, which releases every Sunday. It's basically like our second podcast, and now you can see our faces. So make sure you subscribe to our channel at Asian Boss Girl.
3: You can also check out our latest collection of merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. And we have some quick shout-outs from our listeners from May
1: C. Yang. Happy birthday to one of my best friends, Kalor. She wants to say thank you for being a light in her life.
3: And Rashi, your fiancé, Mayank, wants to wish you a happy birthday and let you know that he cannot wait to see you. If you'd like to give a shout-out to a special ABG listener in your life, send
2: us an email at shoutouts at asianbossgirl.com. That's shoutouts with an S at
3: asianbossgirl.com. And for a longer shout-out, you can also find us on Cameo. And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch us on the next episode. Bye!